0: Happy 2022 NFL Draft Eve to all the 12s out there. We've got less than 24 hours until the start of the first round in Las Vegas. My host, Rob Rang, going to be dishing out his final seven-round mock draft through Seahawks.com. And I'm going to put on my Mel Kuiper hat and grade all of his picks on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We have finally made it. We have made it to 2022 NFL Draft Eve, less than 24 hours away from the Jacksonville Jaguars being on the clock with the first pick in Las Vegas. With that being said, very draft centric episode today. We're going to be looking at some of our draft crushes heading into the first round and Going to have a chance to investigate Rob's final mock draft through Seahawks.com, a seven-rounder. We know that at least half those picks are going to come true this weekend, so looking forward to breaking down those selections and answering your questions in a pre-draft Q&A. This episode is brought to you by BlueNile.com. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off, $500 spent Use the code locked on at checkout. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. We have less than 24 hours until the start of the 2022 NFL Draft. And once you get to this point, we have talked about a number of prospects ad nauseum, especially with the Seahawks now having a top 10 selection, four picks in the top 72. And as we've noticed over the years, It's anyone's guess what John Schneider and Pete Carroll are going to do. There's been all kinds of reports surfacing the last few days. The Seahawks are interested in this player. The Seahawks might draft this player. They might trade up. They might trade down. Nobody really knows. As we like to do every year, it's time for our terrific trifectas. And how this works, Rob, we're going to be dishing out one player from each day that is officially on our draft crush list. And we also know that the Seahawks have a draft crush on, or at least have shown signs of infatuation. So we're going to have a first round pick, pick and a day three sleeper on our list. Who made the cut this year for you as far as your terrific trifecta for the Seahawks?
1: Well, Corbett, that's one heck of an introduction there. You know, I mean, I I think that when you look at the Seahawks right now as they stand at number nine overall, my draft crush would basically be any of the four pass rushers that would be likely to go above them. I just wanted to be realistic. And that's why I put Tyler Linderbaum on, on this list, because I think that if you look at history and what the Seahawks have done, they often trade back. And I think that I speak for a lot of of followers of the Seahawks who have watched an awful lot of what this club has done And my goodness, it has been difficult to watch Aaron Donald just absolutely destroy the interior of Seattle's offensive line. And so I do not have some breaking news here that the Seahawks have brought in Tyler Linderbaum and have told the Iowa center that he is going to be their selection. But Pete Carroll talked about the fact that maybe they need to make a a little bit of a change in, in what they are looking for at the center position. They obviously brought in Austin Blythe, and that's a shorter, squattier center who actually is came from Iowa, is very similar to Tyler Linderbaum. I just think that if Seattle is going to trade Back in this draft class there's a possibility they go with a guy like a trevor penning that's one of the players that i'll be talking about here a little bit later in terms of the seahawks.com mock draft but if you want the player that i like the most and that i think would absolutely kind of scratch that itch for a lot of seahawk fans then tyler linderbaum the center from iowa the remington award winner as the nation's best center and it was not even close I think that he would make so much sense for the Seahawks that, yeah, that that would be one of the guys that I certainly would start off my list talking about.
0: Yeah, on my list, as far as the first rounder goes, and this isn't going to surprise anybody that's been listening to our show, because you should know that I love tall, athletic, ball-hawking corners, and you don't have very many corners that come around that are like my man Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati – at six foot three, running in the low four fours, didn't give up a touchdown, his entire college career in coverage. He'll come up and you'll he'll hit you. And maybe the thing that I love about him most, if you've watched the tape extensively, I'm not just talking highlight reels for Ahmad Gardner, but you see the plays where he in pursuit chases down ball carriers from across the other side of the field, and you just don't see very many corners that do that at the college or NFL level. This guy is a grinder. He's gritty. He plays a physical brand of football. He's Richard Sherman with better athleticism. That is a scary combination. He's instinctive. He really checks off all the boxes. I don't know that he falls to Seattle at number nine, but we talked about yesterday. This would be a guy that I could see Seattle moving up a few spots. If he gets outside the top five and isn't picked, this is a player, even with their history of not picking corners early, that I think Pete Carroll's going to have a very hard time not trying to move up a few picks to get him because he is a special talent.
1: Switching to day two, I just think that if you are going to go with a player on the offensive line early on, whether it be Trevor Penning, whether it be a, a guy like you know Tyler Linderbaum, who I just mentioned before, then I think that it is critical that Seattle get themselves a pass rusher? And why not get a guy who has been spectacular against the elite competition in all of college football and the SEC and Sam Williams? I cannot believe Corbin, that people are not talking about Sam Williams nationally more than they are. And this is a guy who is second in the SEC only to Will Anderson from Alabama, who's going to be a possibly the number one overall selection next year. Uh, You know, second in the SEC in sacks, third in tackles for loss, absolutely smoking off of the edge, looks the part, sounds the part when you have conversations uh, with him. I think that he is a guy that Seattle is very, very intrigued by. I'm not convinced that he's going to make it out of the first round. But if he does, with 40 and 41, uh, you know, Seattle is obviously their second-round selections, I think that Sam Williams is going to be a player this club is going to be very, very interested in. And talk about a guy who's got some twitch to him. I mean, just pure speed to him. Sam Williams absolutely could be that edge rusher to be able to complement what the Seahawks already have and Daryl Taylor and, of course, the the free agent addition, Echon Nuosu. Looking at
0: my list, as far as the second and third round goes, I talked about him a lot yesterday, so not going to dig too deep into the weeds here. But Rasheed Walker, three-year starter at Penn State, he has been one of my top tackles throughout this entire process. I just look at the body of work and the competition that he's gone up against. The fact that he has been a three-year starter for one of the Blue Blood programs in college football. And he's a player that I think screams – left tackle in the NFL. I wouldn't draft him in the first round, but I would even consider 40-41. I know some of our draft simulators are looking at him as a third or fourth round pick. I view him higher on my board than that. I think he plays with some nastiness. He's a better run blocker than advertised. And I think if he can get some of his technique stuff fixed at the NFL level, can be a very sound pass protector. I think he's got decent athletic traits as well. And on day three, D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky Maybe not a guy that I've had a chance to talk about as much in this pre-draft process because there are so many good pass rushers, but he's a little undersized, 243 pounds, but man, he plays like his hair is on fire coming off the edge and so much fun to watch. One of the best sack artists in the country the last couple of years. He fits that 3-4 defense as an overhanging hybrid linebacker. He can drop back occasionally in coverage, but he just he's kind of erratic with his pass rush, and I think he's going to have to clean that up a little bit at the next level to be effective. But at the same time, that's part of what makes him so good is that he's unpredictable at times what he's going to do, and it keeps tackles off balance, and he's really good at flattening out his pass rush and getting after the quarterback. This guy would be a lot of fun to put with Daryl Taylor and a Cheninuosu. I don't know if he gets to 109, but if you can get him in the fourth round, that screams steal.
1: It does scream steal. And I love that you mentioned off balance because that's exactly what his speed and power does to offensive tackles. We saw flashes of that at the senior bowl and an ultra productive pass rusher. So yes, I, I certainly agree. D'Angelo Malone is, is available to Seattle uh, or to anybody in, in the fourth round. We're talking about a steel player. I think another guy that I would mention real quick is Arizona state cornerback, chase Lucas. It's just the fact that he's going to be 25 years old and 25, years old on draft day is old let's not let's let's be very uh very clear about that but at the same time this is a five-year starter for arizona state as a former four-star recruit you know it, again it, it's the age is, is the biggest reason why i do think that he is going to be available uh on day three but i i see a guy who is going to be able to come in and compete immediately for playing time and he also has the grit, the speed to be able to con- tr- contribute on special teams as well. So to me, considering the fact that, that Seattle went with a 24-year-old this past year um, in the second round, then I, I think that they might be go- be a little bit more willing to consider a slightly older prospect who obviously checks the box as far as a big area of concern for the Seahawks, considering where they finished last year in terms of uh, pass coverage. To me, Chase Lucas is one of the most underrated prospects in this entire draft class. And whether it goes to the Seahawks or some other club, he's going to wind up being a steal himself.
0: Yeah, I think on day three, it makes a lot of sense, especially with a player that age. Seattle's drafted a few 24-year-olds in the first couple rounds, so they don't seem to worry about age as much as some other teams. Maybe that's been part of the problem with their draft process. But I have a feeling we will be talking about a few of these guys again here in a few moments because you're going to unveil your final seven-round mock draft that was on Seahawks.com. I'm going to put on my draft evaluator hat and grade out some of your picks coming up here in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Blue Nile with Mother's Day coming up right around the corner. Whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets or gemstone pendant necklaces, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24 7 that are available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift that fits into every budget. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And locked on sports listeners get $50 off, $500 spent. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use the code LOCKED ON. That's LOCKED ON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Coming up tomorrow, first time ever, Locked On is hosting live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft From their studios in Dallas, they've got pick-by-pick analysis from our local team of experts and draft gurus. Tune in all three days as our draft team guides you through every pick and every trade in real time. It all starts tomorrow, Thursday, April 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Available on the Locked On NFL YouTube channel and on the Odyssey app. All right, it's time for the final mock draft. We are less than 24 hours away from the real deal in Las Vegas tomorrow Jaguars will be on the clock the Seahawks have the number nine selection and Rob you being the draft guru that you are it is time for you to reveal your final seven round mock draft and again I mentioned this earlier if there's any less than four of these guys picked by the Seahawks this draft is a failure you've got to hit this one out of the park so who did you pick Rob
1: well, I, I again, I, I appreciate that introduction. No, no pressure there, buddy. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, if the Seahawks stay at number nine overall, and if those eight elite prospects are off the board, as again, I anticipate the four pass rushers, the two offensive tackles, the two cornerbacks that we have talked about ad nauseum, then a the guy who really kind of checks a lot of Seahawks boxes, would be Trevor Penning, the offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. I mean, this is a guy who is 6'7", 330 pounds. He is in the 99th percentile in terms of athletic traits from the Spark uh, athletic testing that Pete Carroll has been a subscriber to going all the way back to his USC days, Corbin. And, and so I I – I recognize the fact that Seattle has not gone with small school players in the past, but when you have a guy who checks every other box and then goes to the senior bowl and he wasn't dominant there, but he was pretty darn good. You wouldn't necessarily know that if all you did is watch a couple of clips in terms of, you know, there, there were some guys that, that beat him. Um, but if you watched every snap the way that I did and, and saw the way that John Schneider and Steve Hutchinson both were kind of oohing and aahing with what he was able to do, then I think that this makes some sense for the Seahawks if they stay at number nine overall or if they drop back three or four spots, which again, I think would make a lot of sense for Seattle if they're able to do that and still be able to get a player that, again, checks a lot of boxes for them.
0: And this won't surprise our listeners. I, I think that Trevor Penning could be a very good NFL tackle, but I I think that this is one of those picks that is truly a projection and that always has a lot of boomer bust potential and i think if it's at number 9 i probably have to give this one a b minus just because i feel like you're reaching for a guy that has a lot of undeveloped traits could he end up being well worth that selection absolutely now if you drop down 3 or 4 spots or even more than that if you go to like 15 or 16 i'm probably looking at a b plus even an a minus there just because there's a gap there as far as the type of players you're going to get but Uh, If there's some other guys that are more blue chip pro ready, this guy obviously has all the traits, but that scares me that early in the draft. And you and I have talked about this. The Seahawks could be put in a corner where they have to make a selection like that, too. And that's what makes this process difficult. Now, pick 40 and pick 41. You didn't make any trades in this final mock draft. Who did you go with in the second round and why?
1: well I, I mentioned in our previous segment uh, about sam williams so i won't uh you know kind of explain too much here but just incredibly productive incredibly athletic still a guy who i think has some untapped potential because he's not the most instinctive edge rusher uh you know in this draft class and, and that's one of the reasons why he might be available this late but in terms of a guy who uh I, again checks off a lot of seahawk boxes sam williams i think would make an awful lot of sense to seattle at number 40 overall then quickly switching over because we have not talked about off-ball linebackers that much leo chanel from from wisconsin um, is a guy that is just a you know a, a difference maker 6'3", 250 pounds, very physical, very athletic, running in the low four fives, Um, ultra productive th- this past season. I love the physicality. I love the fit in a 3-4 defense. We've talked about some of the smaller linebackers, Corbin. Uh, I think as Seattle kind of transitions a little bit more to a 3-4 scheme, you've got to have linebackers that have the bulk to be able to take on would-be blockers shed and make plays in the hole. And that's what I love the most about Chanel here is that his ability to make plays in the hole You know, and for tackles for loss, something that Bobby Wagner, frankly, did not do the last couple of years. Jordan Brooks did a spectacular job of that, justifying Seattle's selection of an off-ball linebacker in the first round a couple of years ago, obviously. That's the thing, is I see, I know some clubs that have first-round grades on Chanel, and, and I can understand why when you watch the tape, because this guy is a baller.
0: I'll admit, I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of Chennault's film. He's one of the linebackers that I haven't had a chance to watch very much. And there's so many good ones in this class, and there's only so much time. You know, you have your Troy Andersons and Chad Mumas of the world that are also in the mix to be selected potentially early in the second round. There's a number of other players, Channing Tindall. But certainly this guy's got a decorated resume. And Wisconsin, they kick out some pretty darn good linebackers. I think they need to be looking for some bigger linebackers that are in the upper 240s, low 250s, that also can move. You know the Seahawks want linebackers that can fly sideline to sideline. So I'm going to give that pick an A- minus here. I think it's really good value at 41. Williams would give a B plus. I think that's a solid pick at 40. I do have some concerns about him as a run defender, but in a 3-4 scheme, they might be able to mask that a little bit more. And he's still a player that has a lot of development ahead of him. So that may be an area that he improves a lot coming into the NFL, especially because Seattle seems to be really good at coaching up that aspect for defensive linemen and linebackers. Now, switching gears here to the third round, pick number 72. Who did you roll with at 72?
1: Well, you know, we talked about this in my draft crushes before. I, I mentioned Tyler Linderbaum. I, I really think that center needs to be a priority for the Seahawks. Luke Fortner from Kentucky is a guy that that makes an awful lot sense. that. He is not as athletic as Tyler Linderbaum. Very few are. Cam Jurgens from Nebraska would be another one if Seattle wanted to go in a different route, earlier in the draft because I don't think the Juergens is going to make it down to number 72 overall, but Fortner is a guy who is physical. He has positional versatility. Liam Cohen is the guy that was the offensive coordinator at Kentucky Corbin uh, and and now is with the Los Angeles Rams. He was previously with the Los Angeles Rams with Andy Dickerson and, and not just Andy Dickerson, but Shane Waldron. And I mentioned that specifically because it, it wasn't just that they coached together at, or at, at, with the Los Angeles Rams they coached together way back at UMass and so there is a connection there with Kentucky's former offensive coordinator and now obviously Seattle's offensive coordinator and I just think that this is a guy in Fortner who has the size has the physicality has the experience in a very similar system as to what uh, Shane Waldron is bringing to Seattle. To me, this is going to kind of plug and play kind of guy that would make an awful lot of sense here when we start talking about day four or day three selections in the fourth round, uh, excuse me, in the third round, number 72 overall. I just, there's a lot of things to kind of connect the dots with Luke Fortner to the Seahawks. So to me, it was just too easy of a connection. That's why I went with Luke Fortner at number 72. And quickly, Damian Pierce, the running back from Florida, He just screams Seahawk. Anybody who watches any of his highlight tapes, that's all you have to watch is his highlight tapes to kind of say this is a Seahawk kind of back. And the more you watch, the more you like him, the more he seems to to scream Seahawk, just in terms of his physicality. So to me, these are two of the guys that actually kind of considered as being that Seahawk crush kind of guys that we mentioned before in the first segment, just because of the way they play Seahawk caliber football and the connections you can make to Seattle.
0: Yeah, obviously, I'm going to love the Damian Pierce pick at 109 because that has been kind of the sweet spot on mock draft simulators. I don't think he lasts that long, though. I believe that Damian Pierce is going to be one of those backs that shoots up the board and goes earlier than expected. This might actually be one in real life. Seattle can get both these guys, but it's flipped. Fortner might be the one that's available at 109, and I like the pick at 72, for Fortner, because this is not a deep center class. And I do think with his experience that it makes a lot of sense. I'm going to give this one a solid A minus. I'm giving an A on Damian Pierce at 109 because, again, I think he might be the most underrated running back in this class. And you can maybe make an argument he's the best. And maybe that's why Florida now has a new head coach because those are the kind of personnel decisions that were being made by. Dan Mullen that were not working they were trying to play four different running backs and it just this guy should have been the feature back he can do everything and he fits all the mold that Seattle's looking for size wide so I'm giving that one a solid a at 109 if they can get him then outstanding value as far as the rest of your picks you got two fifth rounders and a seventh rounder who'd you pick and which one of those three do you think would be the most intriguing addition for the Seahawks
1: Yeah, just anticipating that this is going to be a little bit longer segment, um, because talking about eight different players, then, uh, you know, the the very first one at 145 overall is the cornerback Chase Lucas from Arizona State. I already kind of talked about him a little bit earlier. So let's focus in on Wanya Thomas, the safety from Georgia Tech. Corbin, he's a guy that just in terms of his size, Georgia Tech listed him at 6'4", 220. And so when I first heard that, I thought, well, is he going to be Cam Chancellor? And I watched the tape, and he has the type of athletic ability that kind of reminds you a little bit of Cam Chancellor. He can be that big physical hitter. Now, he's not Cam Chancellor. I mean, come on. There's nobody who is Cam Chancellor except Cam Chancellor. But but Wanya e. Thomas is a guy that does have physicality, does have range, went to the East-West Shrine Bowl, and just balled out there and is absolutely a stud when it comes to special teams and and that is something that i think the seahawks are going to prioritize if they're going to go with the safety and they've done a lot of homework on the safeties this year kind of surprised me how much homework that they've done on the safeties this year so to me this is a guy that without investing too much in the position because of course you have two of the superstars and, and Quandre Diggs and jamal adams obviously But why not bring a guy that has a little bit of experience playing at the high level, it can it can play in the special teams as well. And then has that upside that you can project as a starter. So to me, this is another one that I really kind of like the way that the, the kind of stars align a little bit with Wanya Thomas, to the Seahawks number 153 overall. And then finally the quarterback, EJ Perry from Brown. We've talked about him a little bit. He's one of my diamond and the rough plot guys. Um, you know, I, I mentioned the East West shrine bowl there with, specifically with Wanya Thomas E.J. Perry was the, the East-West Shrine game or East-West Shrine Bowl, excuse me, MVP. Uh, you know, as a guy that has some dual threat ability, I know there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there going to be angry. They want the Seahawks to take a quarterback earlier, and maybe that's going to happen. But at the same time, if they don't, it might be because they are viewing a late-round kind of guy like Perry or the 2023 draft class as a better uh, better possibility to get better at the quarterback position and give Drew Locke and Juno Smith and perhaps Jacob Eason a little bit more of an opportunity to compete for that starting role.
0: Yeah. And I think Perry's probably my favorite sleeper pick of those three, just because I view him as probably a mid fifth round selection. He's in that next tier of guys after the top five and coming from an FCS school, obviously a big leap going to the NFL, but four six five forty has got throwing talent as well. So he would be a player that would be intriguing to bring in and try to develop, and that would signal that Geno Smith or Drew Locke going to be the guy, or maybe that means we're going to still trade for Baker Mayfield too. There are a lot of options there still at the quarterback position. Thomas on special teams, you're going to lose Ryan Neal potentially next year. Marquise Blair is going to be a free agent. So even though depth not a concern now, bring in a guy that can contribute on special teams and can potentially be a backup for Jamal Adams next season makes some sense late on day three. So I think all these picks are really good. I I like the Lucas one as well. I'm going to give that one a B plus. I just 25 year old. doesn't matter when you draft him. The guy is basically halfway through his career already when he gets drafted, but it's still a solid pick for right now in the secondary. And I like the pickups of Thomas and Perry. Give both those B pluses for really good value as well. We're going to get to your questions here. We're going to do a pre-draft Q and a here in a moment. This NFL Draft Eve edition of Locked on Seahawks is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're like me and you're struggling to stick with your New Year's resolution here in late April, Built Bar is here to save the day. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs, they're fantastic. Amazing flavors, less than 200 calories, less than 5 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein covered in 100% chocolate. It's a protein-infused protein infused marshmallow banana cream pies my personal favorite i'll eat two or three of them in one sitting built bar also comes in amazing regular flavors like peanut butter brownie orange cream and salted caramel again less than 200 calories less than five net carbs 17 grams of protein it's the perfect pre or post workout snack or if you're looking for a snack in the evening that isn't going to destroy your diet Built Bar gets the job done. Make sure to check out built.com and use the code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's built.com. Use the code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks Podcast Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. NFL draft less than 24 hours away from kicking off in Las Vegas. And since we're going to be doing draft covers in the next few days, many of you have been asking questions on social media. We decided why not have a pre-draft Q&A. So let's get to it. Our first question here coming from Micah tweets, what do you think of the report Seattle wants Penning and Ritter? Any credence to this information? Rob, I'm going to kick this one to you because could this be a smokescreen or is this actually real intel that might be suggesting what Seattle's planning to do tomorrow?
1: Well, considering that I mocked Trevor Penning to the Seahawks, I think that there absolutely is validity to that. Again, I I watched John Schneider and uh, Steve Hutchinson both very much Paying attention to the line of scrimmage at the Senior Bowl. I think the penning checks so many boxes. Obviously, Seattle brought in Desmond Ritter uh, in a top 30 uh, workout and then evaluated him closely at the Combine and the Senior Bowl as well. I think that there absolutely is validity to to that, uh, that thought. I also think that it makes a lot of sense if Seattle were to trade back into the late portion of the first round and be able to to take advantage of that fifth-year option that clubs get if they select a player in the first round. So, yeah, I think that there's some validity to it. I don't think that it's a slam dunk. I don't think that it is going to happen for sure the way that some are taking this report, but I think that it would make an awful lot of sense for the Seahawks.
0: Next question here coming from Jay's Tweets. How many picks do you see the Seahawks making in the first two days? Could future draft picks be bargaining chips to climb back into the first, second, or third round? So I'll answer the first part of that question as far as how many picks they could end up with. I still think the sweet spot, maybe they will add one more pick because right now they have four picks in the first 72 four picks in the first three rounds. I could see them finishing with five or maybe even six, depending how much they trade down. Now, if they trade back up to get Desmond Ritter or another quarterback or an edge rusher, if they move back in the first round, they're going to have to give up some of that draft capital. And maybe that's where the future draft capital comes in. I wouldn't rule out the possibility of trading a future second if they're going to get their signal caller because that would suggest, hey, we're not going to be drafting a quarterback this time a year from now. So maybe they'd be more willing to do that. So I could see them bargaining future draft picks if it's for a quarterback. If it's for a pass rusher or a tackle, I don't see John Schneider doing that because he's going to want to have those four picks he has in the first two rounds. He's going to want to have those next year potentially to go after a quarterback. They could still draft one in the second round this year as well. But keep your options open. We'll just have to wait and see. Kenneth tweets, is it likely that Malik Willis is the true target for trading back into the first round? How how high would you have to trade up to make that happen? So Rob, you already addressed the Ritter situation, but looking at potential smoke screens, Willis is a player they met at the Combine, and there hasn't really been a lot of buzz about the Seahawks and Willis over the past few weeks. Maybe Ritter's name is out there because the Seahawks are hoping maybe Malik Willis falls a few picks further than expected and then we can pounce and draft him.
1: Yeah, I think that's a possibility as well. I mean, I would be surprised to see Malik Willis still on the board. Well, I shouldn't say surprised. I think there's a possibility that Malik Willis is still on the board. In fact, in the last mock draft that I did for Fox Sports, I had Malik Willis sliding right on by Seattle at number nine, actually falling all the way down to number 20 overall with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So to the second part of that question, that's how early I think that you'd have to trade either back before Pittsburgh at number 20 or trade back up before Pittsburgh at number twenty to to be in position to take Malik Willis. I also think there's a strong possibility that Malik Willis may wind up going number six overall to Carolina Panthers or another club jumping, uh, trading with them. The Atlanta Falcons, one selection ahead of the Seahawks. Atlanta has the number eight overall selection and, and they have a scheme that needs a quarterback and likes having running quarterbacks. So I think that there is a strong possibility that Malik Willis is off the board. I think Seahawks fans should be hoping for that possibility if they want one of those so-called elite eight blue chip prospects that I talked about before. I like Malik Willis. I am intrigued by his talent. I am intrigued by his personality. I think that he can be a stud. At the same time, I do absolutely believe that he needs some time on the sideline to be able to get acclimated to the NFL. And I just don't know that Drew Locke and Geno Smith are the kind of guys that you want to be able to help groom a young quarterback. I think Seattle is legitimately intrigued by Drew Locke. And again, all due respect to Geno Smith, but Drew Locke is the guy that you don't know how he fits into your system just yet. And I was a big, big believer in Drew Locke and obviously the Seahawks are as well. I just don't know that it makes sense to take another roll of the dice, even though this is in Vegas, another roll of the dice, the young quarterback, unless you believe he is a superstar. So I have a hard time believing that Seattle is actually kind of laying in the weeds for Malik Willis. I think that they are not laying in the weeds. I think they're being pretty obvious. Their intent, I believe, is to go for a tackle, go for an edge rusher, go for a cornerback. they pretty obvious areas of concern for this club.
0: Yeah, I guess I look at it this way. If the Seahawks trade back and Willis somehow is still there and they like him, then it might make more sense in the early to mid-teens to draft him. If he somehow slips past the Saints at pick number 16, then maybe your sweet spot is trading up with the Chargers or the Eagles so you can jump over the Pittsburgh Steelers to go get Malik Willis. And I could see him trading up then. In fact, that's what I did on my last mock draft that I posted on All Seahawks, trading up with the Eagles at number 18 to move up and get Malik Willis before the Steelers are on the clock. So there's a possibility if he falls that far, John Schneider and Pete Carroll are going to have that itch to trade up. And he's certainly a player that they've had some interest in and they've explored in the pre-draft process. Next question coming from Sonic Rain tweets, what's going to happen with LJ Collier this year? How does he fit into the new 3-4 scheme? So this is a really interesting question because the 4-3 scheme wasn't working for Collier. He was a healthy scratch seven games last year. I actually have some reasons to believe that maybe this will be a better scheme fit for him playing as that big end playing four I, if he comes in a little heavier, might be able to do that. It's also worth noting at TCU that he played as a standup edge at times for the Horned Frogs, even though he's not a great athlete necessarily, he was comfortable doing that. So maybe they might use him in that capacity at this point, any way that he can get some snaps in the field, he should be willing to do whatever the Seahawks ask him to do, because unfortunately, He's put himself into the doghouse where he didn't play very much last year, and he didn't do much when he did play. So going into the last year of his contract, hopefully he can do what Rashad Penny did last year and have a bit of a revival in his fourth year with the Seahawks. But I'm interested to see what they're going to do because there's a couple options there. A lot of it's going to depend what he, what's he look like physically and where he fits in with that 3-4 scheme in the eyes of defensive coordinator Clint Hurt and associate head coach Sean Desai. Devin tweets, our last question here, if Seattle can't get a pass rusher in the first three rounds, who is a day three sleeper who projects well for the 3-4 scheme? Rob, I've already thrown the name D'Angelo Malone out there. Who's the guy on day three that screams 3-4 hybrid linebacker that would be a good fit for the Seahawks if they haven't addressed that need early in the draft?
1: Yeah, I, Malone would be my my favorite of, of those candidates. Uh, Amari Barno from Virginia Tech, who I expect to fall down the board a little bit. Maybe not all the way into day three, considering that he ran the four threes at the combine and certainly turned a lot of heads. But, you know, we talked about him before. I mean, this is a guy who looks more like a safety rather than an edge rusher. I mean, he's just got broad shoulders and a really narrow hips. And so it just doesn't look like the kind of guy that's usually able to add a great deal of weight. Um, And and so that's where you're concerned. What I like about him is that he has that burst, as you would expect, of the guy who ran in the four threes. He also uses his hands really well, and not just in getting off of blocks, but he locates the football, has a lot of tipped passes at the line of scrimmage. And I think that there are other ways of affecting quarterbacks besides sacking them. Obviously, getting some tip passes could be something that's intriguing as well. But to the earlier part of the question, I would be stunned if Seattle is not able to add another pass rusher over the first three rounds of this year's draft class. Corbin, this is one of the great edge rusher draft classes I have ever seen. I've been doing this for now for 21 years. Seattle will absolutely get themselves a pass rusher in the first three rounds of this draft class. Uh, and if they don't, well, then that that would be a mistake in my opinion, um, because because I think that this is an area of concern for this club, even with the Che Nuosi who I really really like. but I just think that that is too important in today's NFL and the draft class is available for them to take full advantage of it.
0: As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at RobRang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, five days a week streaming on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, going to be a late show. I'm going to be riding solo. Obviously, we've got the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft coming up. I'm going to be sharing some immediate analysis on the player or players that the Seahawks pick in the first night of the festivities. Really looking forward to it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the first round of the NFL Draft. Go Hawks.